Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. My name's Eric Wicklund, and I'm the Technology and Innovation Editor here at Health Leaders. Today, we're talking to Carter Groom, founder and CEO of First Health Advisory, a global risk management and digital transformation advisory firm serving the healthcare industry. We'll be talking about an issue that's keeping many healthcare executives up at night, cybersecurity. Uh, Welcome, Carter. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, health leaders, and and thank you to the listeners out there. I really appreciate being on the podcast. Robin, thanks for joining us. Uh, Let's get right into this. What are the recent trends you're seeing in healthcare cybersecurity that executives should be monitoring? (laughs) Well, Eric, you started with a a big one, and uh, as as I noted uh, before we talked, we could chat for hours, uh, but in, in no particular order, you know, from a trends perspective, the things that I think healthcare executives should be monitoring are, you know, third-party risk. Yeah, that that comes to mind, um, often called supply chain risks, and how quickly an adversary or a bad actor is getting access now to the most important assets in the healthcare system is, is astounding. And so that's an area that I'm really really focused on as we advise our clients. Um, you know, when a bad day happens, Eric, you know, make sure that the data is backed up. Make sure you have redundancy. Make sure you have an ability to get to that data. That's something that is just super important if your organization is hit with ransomware. Uh, and, and know when that day comes, expect class action lawsuits. Um, It's just a given in today's environment. It kind of makes me sick that, you know, you're already dealing with ransomware and, uh, you know, a threat to the community and the patients you serve. And then, you know, firms are coming in and, and, you know, slapping class action lawsuits. And, And, you know, the latest numbers are there's an average of 12 class action lawsuits for every ransomware breach that's occurring, you know, kind of in an average sized health system. Um, You know, another thing that comes to mind is the ever-changing insurance landscape for cyber. It's really scary how many organizations, Eric, are going bare, you know, we we call it going bare, but are self-insuring or simply just, you know, can't get a policy because insurers are in droves getting out of this space because it's not a profitable business to write policies for healthcare systems and cybersecurity. Um, I, I would say com- consumer sentiment is something that executives really need to pay attention to. There's, a, you know, I, I hear a lot of things like, you know, you're all making a ton of money as executives, but you don't spend any money protecting my security and privacy. You know, that that sentiment, you know, when we think about reputational harm, is real. And I think CEOs and boards should be thinking about this. Uh, other things that are, you know, good things that are happening, uh, HHS, uh, you know, FDA, there, there are uh, sort of changes in policy that are coming out, you know, to help health systems. And, and so to be attuned to things like 405D, uh, and we, we can talk about that more, it, that's really important as a leader. And then the last two things I think about are managed services. You know, thinking about what your core business is in providing care, and do you want to try 
and build an internal security team in an area that's really not your core business? Or does it make sense to, you know, kind of outsource that, you know, bring in talent because you may not have the ability to bring in talent wherever you are. Uh, and lastly, uh, and, and I just have to say it, even with all the hype, Eric, artificial intelligence, you know, can you find efficiencies? Can it play a role in filling some of those workforce gaps and you know, for your enterprise security posture? We think about that a lot and I'm paying attention to it uh, as I think executives are too. Yeah, that's a lot to a I lot to, to keep track of right now. <laughs> those um, are the, those are just the top the top yeah. things I think about. Yeah. Now, in um, are there certain areas where you feel that healthcare executives are not paying attention properly to, or they're not doing something or a, a few certain things that they should be doing right now? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about you know, sort of that consumer sentiment and, and, you know, how you can get your arms around it, how you can message to the communities that you serve, that security and privacy is a business imperative. It is supremely important to whatever organization you're running, that you are protecting their information. Uh, you know, I think that message is something that really needs to resonate with the community. There are so many you know, good resources out there on how to tackle security and privacy and how to do a better job at being resilient, as we say in the industry, uh, that don't cost a lot of money. And I think many executives think, you know, that they have to spend millions and millions of dollars uh, to protect every little asset and do everything when, in fact, you could just do a couple things. And many organizations that we advise that could really reduce the risk. In uh, 405D, I mentioned it earlier, is a super example of that. You know, it's very a very prescriptive framework on how to reduce cyber risk within the setting of healthcare. I also think about supply chain risk and, and those that are responsible for buying technology within your healthcare system. Don't buy technology that is already known and inherently insecure. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it sounds very simple and easy. We know, though, that you know there are power centers and in, in you know healthcare organizations that say, "I need this tool. It's the only one I can use, and I'm going to circumvent you know our traditional risk review process because I need this particular tool or platform or technology." That's where executives really need to put their foot down and say, no, we're not going to accept that until, you know, whatever that manufacturer uh, is that, that you know, provides that particular asset or tool or platform does something to make that more secure. So, you know, those are things that are concerns, certainly in organizations that I think about. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before the idea of outsourcing uh, in this economy with uh, hospitals really struggling with the bottom line. Yeah. Are you seeing more health systems outsource these types of uh, uh, outsource security? Um, it, and what what do what does a health system have to consider when it looks at whether to outsource? Yeah, it, it, uh, there is a trend, Eric, for sure. Um, and sometimes, you know, we think of outsourcing as, you know, the entire program, soup to nuts. And that's not 
always the case. So some of the larger health systems out there, you would know the names. Uh, they pick certain areas where they just know they don't have the talent or expertise uh, as part of a broader program. And then mid-size, smaller rural critical access hospitals say, look, we, we don't have the talent internally at all to do anything. And so, yes, we could use your help uh, to manage our entire program. There, There is a trend for sure. Of course, cost is a consideration. And I think that's just a challenge for all of healthcare, whether you're small rural or, or you know, the largest health system in the world, there's fiscal pressure that we've been dealing with as an industry for a long, long time. This is not a trend, but when you sit there as a board, a CFO, a CEO, and say, well, I could invest a million dollars in our cybersecurity posture or buy a new MRI machine, you know, you, you need to think about what risk you're accepting if you decide to buy the MRI machine because you know you're going to get a greater return on that investment or a more immediate return on that investment. Uh, you know, so, you know, th those are just some things I, I think about ultimately, Eric, as, as I would put myself in the seat of a board member or a CEO uh, in a healthcare system. Yeah, the idea of priorities right now and with the number yeah. of uh, uh, data hacks and, and ransomware attacks we're seeing lately amongst some of the larger health systems, it it seems that, that maybe uh, the C-suite is, isn't uh, isn't up to the task or isn't isn't looking in the right places to make sure that these these risks are managed. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think in general, Eric. You know, business owners, and when I say business owners, it, it might be a department head of radiology or, you know, a, a chief medical officer, you know, they by and large do not understand the potential business impact to these events that we're seeing every day, ransomware events that bring down the electronic health record, that bring down the ability to provide care. You know, and, and unfortunately, they find that out when it's too late and they have to go back to paper charting or downtime procedures that they haven't necessarily practiced the way we used to practice those 20 and 30 years ago. And it causes havoc and it costs the health system 10, 20, 30 X what it would be to invest in better security. And so I think. What I would say is if those business leaders in the healthcare setting, not the leaders or the infrastructure leaders, but the business owners, if they understood the impact to their ability to provide care as a result of some of these cybersecurity attacks, they would be a lot more attuned to what they can do to reduce that risk in the organization. Yeah, you, know, you hate to say it, but, uh, you know, eventually one of these hacks causes in a life lost for some reason. That's uh, that's going to that's going to make people sit up and take notice. Absolutely. You know, it, it, and we've already seen studies, Eric, where we know outcomes are impacted from ransomware. You, you might have a delayed surgery. You might have a delayed appointment. You need you, you need emergent care in that health system is down because of a ransomware attack and you need to go 40 more minutes to the next emergency room and you've had a stroke, that's real. And, and, and those outcomes, you know, I, I don't call it morbidity 
so much as you know uh, well mortality right I, I, let me check myself uh, it's more about morbidity right you, you, you know your your care is delayed and as a result you're in a much worse position uh, from a health perspective as a result of a ransomware attack or a cyber attack this is real and, and I, I think the public and it goes right back to that reputational you know talk point that we had earlier the public as they start to see these news reports and and you know they're starting to get into the national news they're going to start demanding that healthcare systems make it a business imperative and, and put security and privacy at the top of the list uh, and if they don't i think they're going to be just at a at a competitive disadvantage uh, in their market hmm. yeah and you mentioned before um, some of the efforts or some of the incentives uh, programs that are coming out of the federal government. HHS has, mm-hmm. has, has done a few things recently. Can you talk a little bit about those? What are the feds doing to help health systems? This is a big topic that's really important to me here in Washington, Eric. And, you know, I do a lot of advocacy work, which primarily is around bringing awareness to what we're talking about here today. And yes, HHS is is taking a stance that I certainly haven't seen in, in previous years. Uh, you know, to to get to the root of these challenges and provide incentives. We talked about 405D. Well, HHS is behind this, and and what's called the Health Sector Coordinating Council has created a lot of education and materials and frameworks. Uh, you know, that health systems can use for free. Uh, we've seen FDA and, and some new authorities been, that have been given to them through the recent well, year-end omnibus rule that is going to allow the FDA to enforce cybersecurity, uh, you know, it, it, it not going into any technical detail, but to enforce manufacturers of medical devices to build cybersecurity into those devices before they sell them or ultimately before they're approved by the FDA. Uh, we're seeing the White House and some of their national cybersecurity strategy come out, which uh, you know I think is is well formed. We're seeing CISA do a lot. The area that still remains concerning for me. So we're separating agency and policy to lawmaking and statute. I haven't seen Congress or Senate really do anything. And, and you know, yes, I'm watching that very closely. The Senate Help Committee. We might see something from Senator Warner and Senator Cassidy here in the coming weeks, but that's where it could really make a difference. If there's statute to help the workforce, to provide incentives to small rural critical access and, and generally the market, provide incentives for these organizations to invest, and that's actually going to create change. What's the holdback or you know, why isn't Congress acting? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think a, a lot of it is pressure mm-hmm. in some ways that comes from the public. And if the public is not aware of what's happening, they don't then put pressure on their elected officials and the elected officials decide, well, what is my priority? And so right now, it, it seems to be when, when you think of what's the Senate Health Committee is doing, it's around drug pricing. And, and, you know, this is an important topic, but what happens is they focus on one and, and, and all the others don't necessarily move forward. Uh, and that's where we're at 
you know, from a, a healthcare cybersecurity perspective in creating any sort of, you know, meaningful statute to help the industry or the sector? Yeah, it's it's what's actually it's what's a sexy topic right now and drug pricing is the one that's getting the most uh, yeah. getting the most attention in the news and, yeah and and you know i mean you know not to get down this rabbit hole but there's there's not a lot of money right flowing into uh our policymakers right when you think of lobbying and you know ultimately <laughs> that sometimes creates priorities uh, but th- there's there's not a lot of money coming into those uh, you know, organizations to say, oh, we we better make this a priority. You mentioned so I, AI. I know that's a dangerous position to even <laughs> speak about, but that's yeah. the reality of what we see. Certainly, yeah. You mentioned AI a little while ago. One of the newer technologies um, showing up in the scene now. A lot of potential, a lot of hype. Uh, how do you see AI applied to uh, cybersecurity? Yeah. You know, early on, you know, when you think of large language models, Eric, you think of predictive AI. Um, you know, we, we've already seen, uh, you know, when you think of radiology and looking at images and, and making decisions, we've already seen advances that are helping in better decision making and more efficient provision of care. When when you switch to generative AI and you think about you know, could your EHR respond really quickly to inquiries coming from the patient community? Could your doctors have responses really quickly that are one ethical, two accurate? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I, I think you know, three reflective of the organization and what their values are and, and what they ultimately want to put in front of their consumers. You know, these are things that we're thinking about, but finding efficiencies through AI is absolutely something that a lot of organizations are looking mm-hmm. at and will be looking at in the near future. But you've got to consider the governance of that in healthcare, like I said, the ethics of it in, in healthcare, and, and then the privacy and security elements of that. We call it risk assurance of turning on a chatbot that's going to be responding to a patient that has questions about their care. Um, so these are all sort of, I think, more um, sticky things than, you know, r- retail using AI or finance using AI. We're talking about people's lives and their health care, and you don't want, you know, certain things getting out there that are not accurate because then it opens up all kinds of liabilities at the same time in using AI uh, for the greater good. So uh, th- you know, th- those are the those are the things we're talking about at the board level uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to healthcare technology and the use of AI. Yeah, yeah, AI is one of the uh, one of the newer technologies out there. Also, telehealth, virtual care, digital yeah. health. You know, um, are there new threats to healthcare privacy and security through the use of virtual care that health systems are are not yet aware of or just becoming aware of? Yes, unequivocally, Eric. And I know you know this area very well. We all know that at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it, it, there, there was a, a, a hyper, <laughs> the, the sector went into hyperdrive to you know, provide virtual and remote care. And, and you know, I think by and large, 
that happened you know more quickly than the last 10 years of trying to do this when that happened security and privacy sort of took a back seat to necessity i understand but now we have to catch up with all of these devices and all of the exchanges of information that are occurring now in you know sort of in open we call it borderless provision of care model and if you're borderless securing it becomes more difficult and so you know organizations just need to think about that and probably come back to the assets and devices and technologies that they've rolled out and assess are they secure is there anything we need to be doing to better protect our patients as we provide virtual care. Uh, I am a huge believer in virtual care, home health, you know, the, the, the trends that we're seeing there and technology is gonna enable it. We just need to think about security and privacy when you are enabling it. Yes, true. Yeah. Uh, we certainly could go on forever on this yeah. topic. Um, just a, a look ahead is, is the last question. You know, what do you see happening on the horizon? Are there new threats out there that you're keeping an eye on? Or I, I know we're hoping that that Congress Ooh. might take some action on reimbursement or incentives. But you know, what's what should healthcare executives be looking to on in in the next you know, year or so that, that that will affect the privacy and security landscape? Yeah, I mean, we, we covered the AI piece, we covered, you know, potentially what may happen in Washington, but I wouldn't assume that these things are going to happen. I would not assume that help is on the way. You as an organization need the will and, and desire to change your risk posture on your own. If that means, you know, outsourcing, if it means hiring, I, I think going back to my phrase, it needs to be a business imperative for health executives and the business owners in healthcare to integrate privacy and security into everything the organization is doing from a digital health agenda perspective. I, that's just, it, it's my opinion, but if if you don't think that way, Eric, you're going to have a bad day and you may even have a bad day and, and you're doing all the right things, but at least you're going to be recovering more quickly if you're doing the right things. But boy, we've seen it, you know, just this year alone where ransomware attacks are actually putting health systems out of business or, you know, it's costing $160 million is the latest figure that it costs Common Spirit Health. And, and you know, we're just you know, this week, there are health systems that have been down for three, four weeks that can't provide care. So you, you've got to take this seriously. It's got to be a part of your strategic plan to get after these challenges. Uh, so that would ultimately be my counsel uh, to the health leaders out there. I, I know it's difficult when, when you know, you don't have a lot of extra dollars to spend, but you've got to do something. Priorities. Yeah. 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 Uh, certainly. Yeah, this is perfect. Thank you very much for, for joining me today and uh, talking about an issue that should be more of a priority than, than perhaps it is. And I am certain that we will be talking a lot more about this. <laughs> Absolutely. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, health leaders. And thank you to the listeners out there uh, for listening to my thoughts. 
Okay. Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.